0: 1. Verse 13 is where we're going to begin this morning. Jason shared the word a couple of weeks ago. It was on Easter Sunday. And there was a point in the message where he began to just bring declarations of the word. And for, I don't know, a minute or two, it was just strictly scripture, just declarations of of proclamations of who Jesus is and what Jesus is. Has done for us. And it really became a very powerful moment in the service. <clears throat> Afterwards, Jason shared with us last week that uh, the Lord had really spoken to his heart about continuing on to, to just preach on those declarations and proclamations. And so um, the, this first message was preached last week and and Jason shared the word, and it was very powerful. This morning he's asked me to continue with that series. I, I think the title is called The Truth The truth of It All, Part 2. And uh, so I'm going to be sharing about being rescued <clears throat> this morning. Uh, but it's, it is a very powerful series, and I'm looking forward to hearing all that God wants to speak to us as a body, as a congregation. So why don't you stand? Let's read the word together. Colossians chapter 1, we'll start in verse 13. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created both in the heavens and on the earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have the first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether the things on earth or the things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the power of your word. We thank you that God, what is written is truth and we can stand upon it this morning I thank You, God, that it is Your Word that changes us. It is Your Word that transforms and renews our mind and our way of thinking. And Lord, this morning as we are here, I pray that You would take simple words, and God, You would do profound things by Your Holy Spirit to touch our hearts. I ask You, Father, that You would change us, even this morning, Lord, that we came in one way and we'll leave another. I ask that, Lord, You would do what You desire to do in this place by Your Spirit. We give you glory and honor and we exalt you and thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness. I love that. This word delivered, maybe in your Bible, is translated rescued. In many translations it is. That's exactly what it means, though. It does, in fact, mean rescued. In the Old Testament, we see many instances where there were missions of rescue that took place. I'll mention a few now. Noah was one when the earth was covered with water. Because Noah had listened to the instruction of the Lord, he prepared and built an ark. He and his family were rescued from death when the floods came. In 40 days, he was there on the ark. Isaac. The son of Abraham was laid upon an altar at the request of God to Abraham to take his son and to make a sacrifice, and Isaac laid there as his father raised the knife to pierce his body, and it says that the angel of the Lord came and stopped him and said, no, and there in the brush was a ram, a suitable sacrifice. We think of Daniel, Daniel was a man of faith and stood for what he believed, and and was a man of prayer, and when asked not to pray, he held to what was true, and because of his faith, he was thrown into a lion's den, expected to be marred and mangled and and destroyed, and yet in the midst of the lion's den, there was complete peace, and not one scratch was found upon his body the next day when he was released. He had in fact been rescued. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men that, that held to their faith and they stood strongly in their conviction not to bow down to false idol and, and worship. And they held to worshiping the true and one living God. And it upset the king so much that he made a furnace to have them thrown into. The Scriptures teach us that, that those men that cast them into the fiery furnace were burned up because it was so hot. And in, in fact, uh, just destroyed the men. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were there in the fiery furnace And the king was amazed because they were walking and talking and there was no harm. Not only that, the king said, look, there's a fourth individual and he has the appearance of the Son of God in the midst of this. He called forth Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they came out and the Bible says that there was not one hair singed and they didn't even smell of smoke. They had been rescued. This morning, we're all in this place, and the truth is, we could all begin to tell stories of what God has done for us. Maybe you have a story of how God has rescued you. I know I do. Many, truthfully. (laughs) I'll share one with you. My wife and I were missionaries in Guatemala, and uh, we lived in Guatemala City, and we'd often go out into different villages and sharing the word. And I was in Antigua one day when I met a, a gentleman in he was a tour guide. Antigua is a beautiful cobblestone, gorgeous city. I've got a picture of it actually. Maybe I can show it to you there. The walls are so colored, the stone, the streets are cobbled. You know, it just it's just beautiful. But there's something about Antigua that fascinates me. <laughs> there's actually two things. There's two volcanoes that you can see from there. This is one. This is Volcán de Agua. There is Volcán de Fuego. It's active, and my wife and I could actually go into our backyard and at night watch it as it would throw out fire. Beautiful. I'm going to be honest with you. I was amazed. I could stand out there for days. This one day I'm in Antigua walking these streets, and I meet a man who is a tour guide, and in fact, he takes people on tours up the volcano. And in talking with him, he said, Look, if you want to go, I'll take you. You don't have to pay anything. And, well, Of course. And so we did. I I went with them, and we toured up the place. It took about six hours to get to the top. I don't know if you can tell by the picture, but the lower three-fourths of the volcano is basically jungle. And so we made our way through the jungles uphill until we got to the top. And then at the top, it's as if it's snow. It's ash, really, but it's like the texture of snow, and you can slide down. And I want to tell you, that day, top to bottom, head to toe, covered in ash, having a blast. We came off the volcano and being that I had taken the trip and gone up the volcano, now I was a certified tour guide and felt that I could take anyone up that mountain and any, any good husband would want to do to take his wife so that she could have the same experience that I had. And so it was my desire to run home quickly and say, babe, I'm certified. I can take you on a trip. Let's go. We had two people from Peru that were visiting with us and They weren't in the best of shape, but I thought what a great adventure for them as well. And so the following Saturday, we loaded up. We went to the base of the volcano, and we started on our tour. I had my cap. I was so excited. I had my tour guide pass. or Not really, but in my mind, I was the tour guide. Really talking a lot about how dangerous it is going up this mountain and all the things that can take place. And in fact, it is dangerous. At this time in Guatemala, there is a civil war. There are militant guerrillas that are living in hiding on the volcano, that would come down at night and do destructive things to destroy the government, buildings, etc. And so they're there. It is dangerous. But I am a certified tour guide. And uh, so I'm excited about that, and I take my family up. Well, as we go up this volcano, it's not as easy as it had been. In fact, it took a little bit longer than the five to six hours. It was actually more like eight or nine, maybe ten hours, I don't know, we got up to the top. And when we got there, everyone was completely exhausted. So we decided we'd take a little nap, get some refreshing before we came back down. And we all fell asleep. When we were awakened, there was no one in sight but just us. And the sun was starting to go down. And so I very quickly, as a good tour guide would do, I awakened everyone and said let's go we got to get out of here quick you know taking my wife and trying to get out of there and in doing so she stuck her foot in a crevice and twisted her ankle and well I was no longer the tour guide she had a few other things that she called me but I put my arm around her my <laughs> neck and and I escorted her off this well everything is fine as long as the sun is shining but at the point we're hitting the jungle the, the sun goes down and it's complete darkness there is no light And there is no rhyme or reason. There is no trail. And we're feeling our way. And not only that, we have the the idea that there are militant guerrillas that are on this uh, volcano, and they're just looking for people to rob and beat up and all kinds of things. So we're walking very quietly, we're talking very quietly, we're whispering, and we're not, we're just, it's awful. It is awful. And after hours of trying to be positive and speak life, it became very grim it was dark <clears throat> it was awful there wasn't any hope laughter became tears and joy joy became sorrow and and uh, the hours were passing when all of a sudden way off in the distance there's a little glimmer of light and you hear like the horse horses coming or something and so you know we just knew this was the gorilla so we all hid behind trees and sure enough here they come and, and it, well it just they became him and him became one old little man riding on a donkey with a pole like that at the end of a broom with a lantern dangling as he came forward me being the brave soul that I was I confronted the man while everyone else was in hiding he didn't speak English nor did he speak Spanish, and, and, but he was very well understanding that I was in need of help. And so he turned his little donkey around and the four of us followed in behind and we came off the volcano that night. There was great rejoicing. We had been rescued. It was wonderful. There was great celebration and tears of joy and happiness. And I thought to myself, I need to pay that man. So I've got a few Kate Sollies, I'll give him for his time and trouble, and of course, he was nowhere to be found. I don't know if you believe in angels or believe that God works like that, but I do. Either that donkey really got fast and got up on out of there, or he was an angel. Either way, we were rescued, and I was very grateful. Very grateful. And so today I'm here to just proclaim, God does miracles, and He is in the business of rescuing. But I want to say something to you this morning that's a truth. And the truth is this that when we read this passage of Scripture and we see, for He rescued us from the domain of darkness, I want to say to you that what He's speaking of here is far more serious and far more treacherous than lions, than floods, than fire, and even militant gorillas. He says here that we have been rescued from the domain of darkness. Now that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? it? The domain of darkness. Domain is a word that I looked up in the Greek. Excusia. This is its definition. Power of choice or liberty to do as one pleases. We have the power and the choice to make decisions in darkness. In other words, that's what it's saying there. We, have, we live in a realm where we had the ability to make choices in darkness. This word darkness, if you look at it in the Greek, it's skotos, it's the ignorance of divine things. We have the power and the choice to do and make decisions in ignorant, being ignorant of divine things, accompanied with ungodliness, immorality, together with the consequences of hell. We have the ability to make decisions in darkness that are going to be ungodly and immoral, and the consequences are hell. And when I read this passage of Scripture and I begin to think about what this truly means to me, I begin to understand that it wasn't me that made a decision to choose God and to do things because I heard a message that sounded like, oh, do you want to go to heaven or to hell? Oh, I choose heaven. And it just go that way. What happened was God rescued me out of darkness. It was God that reached down into me. I didn't have the ability or the capability of to make a decision to choose God. I was, I was in the domain of darkness. But God. I was, in a, I was in the domain of darkness where everything is in opposition to God. The choices are depraved. I can't fix anything. My destination is hell. But God. It wasn't because I made good choices. It wasn't because I prayed a formula or a series of words that led me to salvation. It wasn't because I walked to the front of the church. And it wasn't because I did more good things than bad things. It was that God had sent His Son and I was rescued out of the domain of darkness. I was helpless. And just like Noah, Isaac, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, helpless in sin. In your notes, it says that Jesus rescued us, or we've been rescued from what? The domain of darkness. And the Scripture says that we were transferred into the kingdom of His beloved Son. We went from darkness to light. We were transferred. In the Old Testament, you'll see references of of being those that were in one domain and transferred into another. I'll give you an example. Joseph. Joseph was there with his brothers. They threw him into a pit to leave him for death. Then they decided to sell him into slavery and to go back and tell their father that he had been killed. He was a slave accused of rape, thrown into prison, left with no rights. An awful realm to be in. But if you read the rest of the story, you see that he was pulled out and he became the most powerful man next to Pharaoh in Egypt. And he ruled and reigned. He went from one realm to another. They're not even alike. I'll give you another one. There's a little Moabite girl named Ruth who used to follow behind those that would harvest their fields and she would eat the leftovers and she would just make it and just survive only to be introduced to a kinsman redeemer by the name of Boaz who made her his wife and she was without and now she is and all that would belong to Boaz is now hers. She went from one realm to the other It's a beautiful picture. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness, and He has transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. But this morning, I want to bring up a harsh reality, and that is this, that many of us, many of us have been transferred into this kingdom of light, into this kingdom of the beloved Son, and yet we are still living as if we are trapped into this kingdom of darkness. We have been given complete freedom and transferred out of the the snares of darkness and yet our lives are still polluted with darkness and we are still holding on to the belief that we are still captivated and held entrapped. And we struggle with sin We've been delivered from one kingdom into another and yet we still struggle with sin and we wrestle and we make excuses and we say, well, this is just my personality. It's just the way I am. It's just who I am. I'm just like this. When in fact, it's sin. And the Bible says that we've been delivered and transferred out of that and yet we just kind of made it a part of who we are. And do you know that that's very confusing to the mind? Do you understand the conflict that that creates on the inside? And we live as Christians who have been delivered and set up on, a, up on high ground and, and lifted up out of a pit and yet we walk with shame and we walk in fear and we walk in condemnation and we walk as though we are trapped and held captive because we don't understand what Jesus has done for us when He rescued us from the domain of darkness. Jason gives an illustration of the butterfly. I love it. He speaks of the metamorphosis that takes place, for a butterfly isn't born a butterfly, but it's born a caterpillar. And caterpillars are those, you know, fuzzy, grimy things that been around in the dirt and they get all in the dirt and they just polluted and they're kind of nasty and kids either hate them and are scared of them or they love them and want to wear them all over their body and, 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 but they're caterpillars and, and they, they live in the dirt and they are in the grime and, and then there's a something that takes place there's a change that begins to happen where the caterpillar begins to grow wings and all of a sudden it's no longer a caterpillar, but it, it becomes a, a butterfly that has beautiful wings and, and we find it attractive and beautiful and many people take pictures and we look at it and we see it's for its beauty and it and doesn't crawl around anymore, but it flies and it, it's, it's seen as something that's, that's been transformed and it's wonderful. And as silly as it would be for a butterfly to never fly... And to just roll around in dirt. It's like us. We've been delivered out of one kingdom and set up in another kingdom and yet we still waddle around in the dirt of life. We're still crawling in it. We're still entertaining sins of, of the world. We're still walking around in shame. We're still under condemnation. We're living as a slave, folks. And we've been delivered from that. We are now of another kingdom. We have been rescued. We've been pulled out of the clutches of the domain of darkness and we have been delivered and set into a kingdom of the beloved Son. For those of us that are born again this morning and have Jesus as our Savior, we now operate and live in a new kingdom. And sometimes we forget that. Look what it says in verse 14 here. In whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. This word redemption, we were singing about it earlier. This word redemption speaks of being released by a payment, paid for with a ransom. There was a ransom that was paid for my freedom. There was a ransom that was given, that was paid on my behalf that I might be free. No longer a hostage held in the domain of darkness, but I've been set free. And I want to tell you something this morning. You've been transferred and rescued into a kingdom of the beloved Son. And how did that happen? Because a ransom was paid on your behalf that you might be set free. The highest commodity that ever has been upon this earth, the blood of Jesus, carries more power and anointing than any other gold or silver or any kind of element here found on this earth. It's the thing that sets us free. And His blood was shed that you and I may walk in this kingdom of the beloved Son. We have been set free. A ransom has been paid on our behalf. Listen to this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself as a ransom for all. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Jesus gave Himself to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself, a people of his own possession, zealous for good deeds. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse 23. You were bought with a price. Do not become once again slaves of sin or slaves of men. First Peter chapter one, verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but you have been redeemed with the precious blood As of the Lamb, unblemished and spotless, it is the blood of Jesus. It's been paid for. And I want to tell you something. You have been set free. If you're a child of God and you're born again, He has set you free. It's a lie of the enemy that would come and try to keep you walking in bondage and in slavery. Let me tell you something. When Jesus died on the cross, His blood was shed, His body was pierced, and He died on the cross and was placed in a grave. And he arose three days later. And when he did that, I want to say something to you. The devil lost all authority. The devil lost his power over your life. But what he does is he comes and he whispers to you. And he says, listen, you need to make a deal with God. Why don't you make promises to God that you can't keep? Why don't you tell him, God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this, and I'll never do that again. As if somehow we have the authority to do dealings with God like that. I was rescued, man. And the devil comes and he wants to keep the people of God living as if they are trapped in the domain of darkness when in fact their feet have been planted upon solid ground. And he's put a new song in them that they might sing and declare the riches and the glory of God. And yet we whimper and barely get by. And we struggle with sin as if it controls us. And we do everything that we can just to manage and cope in life. I want to tell you something this morning. That what Jesus did on the cross is not for you to cope. But He came to set you free. He came to call you a child and not a slave. He came to show that His blood could wash away your every sin. One of the tactics of the enemy is he comes and he loves to whisper in our ear about all the things that we've done. Well, do you remember when you did that? you remember when you did that? You're still suffering because of that. You're still having problems from that. Can I tell you something about the beauty of what Jesus did for us on the cross? The Bible says that he came and he died on a cross and his blood was shed to wash away my sins. Do you know that that means it was my past, my present, and my future? As if for some reason we think that God has forgiven my past sins, but today's a new day. For Jesus, it was all future, wasn't it? Didn't He die for all your sins? As if for some reason we get into this mindset that, well, He would cover this one, this one, and this one, but I don't know about that one. And we come to Him and we plead and we beg and we say, Jesus, would you just once again please have mercy upon me? As if for some reason we were having to work a deal with God. Look, we have been delivered from the domain of darkness and we've been transferred into the kingdom of His beloved Son. The Bible says that we have been redeemed. It was the redemption and forgiveness of sins. You've been forgiven. Oh my, what's he talking about now? You've already been forgiven. It's already, Did you know that Jesus already dealt with the sin in your life? Oh, but I need to keep a healthy body. I need to keep a healthy knee place I need, to keep, I need to make myself sorry you did it again feel bad so that Jesus you can get the attention of Jesus and work a deal with you let me tell you something you don't have to beat yourself up that's what the enemy wants you to do you want to God wants you to see that you have been set free you are redeemed you're believing a lie you've already been forgiven according to the scripture oh see there he goes I knew he was going to go that grace route Because that's going to give me a license to sin. Can I tell you a secret and very loudly before all of you? If you are a part of the kingdom of the beloved son, everything inside of you will turn when it comes to having an option to do free sin. If you've got an option to do free sin and work deals with God, you may not be born again. Oh, what are you saying, pastor? I'm saying this. If the Spirit of God lives inside of you, you're not going to milk grace for all it's worth. You're going to rejoice in the kingdom that He set you in. You're not a slave any longer to that sin that you've dealt with and coped with and walked with and held hands with and become a person of your personality. Well, this is just the attitude that I carry because this is who I am. No, it's not. God wants to deal with it. He's already dealt with it. Dealt with it. Excuse me. He has redeemed us. He has forgiven us. He has set our feet up on a solid ground. He's made us a part of a new kingdom. And the devil knows it. And that's the reason he constantly bombards you, trying to get you to think otherwise. Well, I'm here this morning to give you good news. The devil's a liar. And what Jesus did on the cross is enough. And you don't have to give in to sin any longer. You don't have to walk beat down any longer, just surviving. God has filled you with His Spirit. And he has called you to be a child of the living God, not a slave. He's called you to be set free so that you have a message and a word to carry and you have victory. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21. Blows my mind. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Did you hear that? Let me say that again. He who made him who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we could be the righteousness of God. Do you know what that means? RJ, can you put that up on the screen? I want to show everybody this. You see, some of you have lived your life, and you've been a pretty good person. Oh, you maybe said a few cuss words, but you never, you know, did that. Because you're a good person. And you've walked. If R represents righteous deeds and S represents sin, you're pretty good. You've done pretty good. Can I just stomp all over the idea that you're going to do good works and get into heaven? Your good's going to outweigh your bad, and so that's the reason you're going to get there? has nothing to do with it. It's a lie. But I'm a good person. I don't care. You got a little sin in there if I look at that diagram a little bit. I see a lot of righteous deeds, but I see two little S's. You got some sin in there. Let's go to the bad guys. They're pretty easy to get on. They're just covered in sin. Most of us, right? A lot of sin. Whole lot of sin. But there's a few righteous things that we've done. Let's bring it to light. Okay? The bad, the good, the bad. Yeah. And then there's the perfect. Do you know the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that there's only one that's been perfect? Do you know that the Bible says that he was tempted with every sin that you've ever faced and dealt with, every temptation, and yet the Bible says he is without sin. He's perfect. He is righteous. But we just read that he who knew no sin became sin on our part. Show the next screen. You, if you're born again as a child of God, have been made righteous. Me, if I'm born again, I've been made righteous. The blood of Jesus covers me, washes away my sins. And the one who is perfect, Jesus, took on my sin. He became sin. When Jesus went to the cross and they began to drive those nails into his hands and into his feet, he knew exactly what he was doing. And he took on every sin that you would ever commit. He bore it, the Bible says. He bore our sins. He was crucified for our sins. He hung there on the cross. And the Bible says that he died. And they took his body and they put it in a grave. And three days later, he arose from the grave. And do you know something? The Bible tells us that He overcame sin and He overcame death and that even now He is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and me. He's not a defeated foe. He overcame sin. What you and I could not do, He did for us. And He did it in such a way that He transferred us out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. We've been made righteous Not because of the deals we made and kept with God or because we do some things good and some things bad and we do more good than bad. It's only because of what He has done for us. He rescued me. He delivered me. He set me free. This morning, I remind us of John 3.16. For God so loved the world, He loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish but have eternal life. It's what He did. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says that He made him who knew no sin to take on my sin. Took my sin so that I might be righteous. He rescued me. Romans chapter 10 says that if I'll confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart and what He's done and done, done for me, if I'll just believe, I will be saved. I'll be saved. He rescued me. He did it. This morning there are three kinds of people in this place. Three different types of people are sitting in this auditorium right now. There are those that know they've been rescued. They've been rescued and know it. I believe that there are those that have been rescued and they're so confused. They're so messed up. They're being tormented and they're given place for it. And this morning I believe that there are those that are in this place that have never been rescued. Don't have a relationship with Jesus. Still held captive in the domain of darkness. I prayed for you this morning. Every one of you. And my prayer has been, God, speak to our hearts that we might be truthful and understand what your word says about each one of us. In a few moments, the praise and worship team is going to come and they're going to begin to lead us in some worship. And as they do, my prayer is that you will do business with God the Father. And you'll ask him, Lord, which one am I? Am I walking as a free man, knowing the freedoms of, of, of living in this kingdom that you've called me to, and that you rescued me out of the darkness, so that when the temptation comes, I can look at it and say, "No way, I don't want to be a part of that kingdom. There's a better life. Or maybe you're part of you've been rescued and you've been called and yet... Your life is being flip-flopped back and forth. And one day, I have good days with Jesus and I have bad days with Jesus. And God wants you to see that what He did for you has set you free. Has set you free. This morning in the first service, there were people that we were praying for that were coming and God was, was touching their hearts about just walking in the freedom that God has given for them because there was a great price paid for that freedom. Darren, why don't you guys come? We'll go ahead and get the worship team here. But this morning I will tell you that there are people in this place and you know you're not rescued. You know that you've not been born again. You know that you don't have a relationship with God. And you want to try to put on a face in front of people so that everything looks good on the outside and yet in the inside you know that you're dead and empty. And I just want to proclaim to you today that today is a day of salvation. And what Jesus did for us over 2,000 years ago on the cross is applicable today in this place. I want to pray for you. And then we're going to open it up. If people need prayer, we can pray for them here this morning. But I believe God wants to do something in your heart. And it's no accident that you're here this morning in this place. The Spirit of God is here. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is here. And some of you know that He's speaking to you even now. Father, I come before you this morning, Lord, and I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for your word that is true. And God, I thank You that You have delivered us into a kingdom of light. I thank You this morning that, God, we have no longer have to be slaves in the kingdom of darkness, held captive by the sin and the death that it produces. Lord, I thank You that you no longer, I no longer have to be condemned or beat down or, or accused because the truth is, Lord, Your Word teaches us that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that our eyes would be open and we would have revelation of what You have done for us. That You have delivered us and You have set us free. God, I pray this morning for every person in this place that, God, we would be willing to open up our hearts before You and to do business with You. Lord, that You would give us ears to hear Your voice. And Lord, if we are lost, that we would respond and say, Jesus, have mercy, save me of my sins. I thank You, Lord, that You've done it. You paid the price. You made the way. I thank You, Lord, that we can celebrate in Jesus in this place today. I thank You, God, that You're in the business of transforming our hearts and our lives. Lord, I thank You that, God, we don't have to waddle around in the dirt any longer. But, God, You've given us life in You. I pray for Your people this morning, God, for clarity. Clarity. No more confusion. No more confusion, God. No more wish-washy. No more back and forth. God, I pray that today, Lord, this would be a defining moment, Lord, where we would be lifted up and placed into the realm that You've called us to live and to walk in, God. I ask this in the name of Jesus, Lord, that the record would be set straight today, God. I pray this, Lord, that You would move in our hearts in this place. We exalt You, and we thank You for Your faithfulness. I thank You, Holy Spirit. You do all things well. We surrender this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.